everybody, and welcome back to a very special edition of Oh God, It Hurts! Oh God, God. It Hurts! <laughs> so, uh, this is a new thing that we're going to try, and um, essentially what we'd like to do is develop a sort of spin-off that we will return to time and again. And these will be what are known as genre jam, genre jam episodes, not genre jam, because that would be strange. Um, the first thing that we're going to focus on, since it's summertime, and this definitely reminds me of the time, the times when I was a kid where I would be spending a lot of time going to the arcades, or doing my very favorite thing, which is playing video games. So we are going to focus today on shmups, or as we used to call them, shooters. Um, and of course, with me as always is my Oh God It Hurts co-host, Game Agent E.T. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> What's up, How everyone? you doing, Ed? Doing good. I'm glad that we're chatting about this. It's not my forte, but I have played my share of shooters, so I'm excited Whoop. to not only talk about it, but see what you guys have to bring to the table about this. For sure. And you'll notice that Eddie there said guys, and that is because the third leg of this <laughs> trifecta of excellence today <laughs> is none other than the mighty Optimus himself, the host of Retro Futurist Culture. What's up, Optimus? Let's go, boys. Yeah. What's happening? Dude, I'm super stoked. I am a shmup junkie, so I was very uh, excited to be asked to join this first super awesome episode of Genre on Oh God, It Hurts. Yeah. Glad to have you, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's kick, let's kick, kick it. Let's kicking it. <laughs> so, you know... Obviously, we've all got very long personal histories with video games writ large. Um, and I thought I would go back a little bit because um, the first game in this genre that I really connected with is arguably, you could call it the first game that really minted a genre, and that would be Space Invaders. Now, oddly enough, I've long been very upfront about the fact that I am ridiculously picky about arcade conversions when they would come out on home consoles. Not you. I would no, I know, you're shocked, right? No way. <laughs> Absolutely shocked. -uh. No. I was I was really hard on games like that. Yet ironically Uh still are really hard on games. Still like I'm that. still yeah. very hard on games yeah. like that. I can't front. Yeah, you it's are. true. It's true. I'm a I'm a bit of a control freak bastard when it comes to those things and, however and frame rate frame rate too <laughs> you're talking about response time mister and we'll get into that That's later it. on sorry however the first game that i fell in love with was not the arcade version of space invaders it was actually the atari 2600 version of space invaders um and the weird thing is that even now if i go back to look at those the arcade version of the original Space Invaders is really hard to get into. 
I can't play it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> too slow <laughs> and just, yeah, it's molasses nowadays. It's, but. it's really, really, really proto. And it just go, sort of goes to remind you, like, just what an important sort of milestone that game was. Because prior to that, you know, Pong was arguably the first hit video game of any kind. And there were definitely plenty of clones of that. But Space Invaders really went on to dictate like an entire genre's visual approach, sort of the rhythm of it. And, you know, when it dropped in, what is it, 1978, 79? Sounds right. I really should have researched that beforehand. But there were years worth of Space Invaders clones that followed. Oh, yeah. You know, it wouldn't be until you began to have some really, really landing and doing some more unique things. You know, you're thinking of Namco's Galaxian, uh, Galaga more specifically. Um, So that really was the first game that, you know, I the first console I ever owned was an Atari 2600. It was actually a shitty clone called a Gemini. Um which actually wasn't shitty. I mean, it played the the same games technically. It was just uglier. It didn't have that super cool walnut panel, whatnot. I've never even heard of a Gemini. Yeah, there's <laughs> a <wouldn't>... reason. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, do you want to, gentlemen, want to volunteer sort of your first Uber proto memories of this genre? What's the game that did it for you? Uh, I, I can talk about mine. Uh, basically. Go for it. It's actually one of the first games I've ever played. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe I was five at the time, and I played a game called Vanguard. Mm. And it was a game that was published by SNK. And SNK in the house. Yeah. And Shin I was. Chuku. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but did you know that it was actually made by a ghost developer? It was made by a company named Yeah. It was made by a company named uh Tose. Mm. Tose, from what I understand, made a lot of games but never took credit. They actually prided themselves as being a you know, a ghost developer by trade and they never wanted to take credit. They just did whatever uh the publishers asked them to do and they never even left their names. They just did it. And they were responsible for a lot of early coin-op conversions on the Famicom, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So that that I just found out today, <laughs> just researching nice. on Vanguard. So, but Vanguard. Well, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk about Vanguard. Oh, okay. The reason why I was drawn to this game was because it was one of the few games back then that had a synthesized voice. It was really rare to have any voice sampling in any games back in the arcade. And Mm -hmm. that sucker drew your attention because not only was it loud, but it had those voices that would announce the uh, section you were getting into, like Rainbow Road or whatnot. And it was really cool to just see that as a kid. And Another thing that was a draw for me since I was really young was the fact that it had just four buttons to shoot. So mm-hmm. each button was a direction. So up, down, left, right. So you can imagine if you're young and you're mashing on these buttons to make things fire. It's pretty fun. Pretty nice. entertaining. Um, 
And basically, uh, the game was really innovative because not only would you scroll horizontally, but also diagonally and vertically. Mm -hmm. So I believe that was the first time a shooter did all three. Mm -hmm. And it also had this uh, little energy field. It looked like a weird southwestern motif with these uh, this like red rectangle and these zigzag bars above and below it. And I remember it, that. <laughs> it had this big word energy on it. So when you touched it, <laughs> you would be invincible for about eight seconds. And not only <laughs> would you be impervious to shots and spaceships, but you can run into the, the terrain. Like there were little mountains that were on the top and the bottom of the screen. Normally nice. when you touch them, you would die. But when you're invincible, you would actually be able to carve tunnels through it. And as a little kid, that was like my favorite thing to do. I would nice. run straight to the energy field and just start running through the walls just for fun. That's awesome. And it must uh, have had a sensation of like feeling like you were breaking the game somehow. Like yeah. Just by being able to do that. Yeah. So that's why I was so attracted to it because I didn't see anything like that in any game. It, it was traditionally you touch the wall, you die in a shooter. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this was so fun to do. Um, but yeah, uh, you can actually play this on the SNK 40th anniversary collection by Digital Eclipse, and it's on Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Steam. But Excellent. that was my first taste schmucks very well done eddie Optimus, do you want to grace us oh, with the man. game that birthed this for you because i know you like me are just a lifelong shooter head and that will probably yeah. never change I, i've been like trying to think what's the first one that really got me excited it definitely wasn't space invaders i, I remember playing that as a kid in the arcade and like nope <laughs> <laughs> um I I don't know if Robotron 2084 counts, but that's probably one of the early ones that I really got I, into. I would count like, it. It's I would considered count it's, it's a run and gun shooter. shooter. It's a run yeah, and gun shooter. It's a twin stick shooter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um that's probably the first one in the arcade that really like hooked me and as far as like at home for some reason, I could not stop playing Yars Revenge. It was one of the first 2600 games that I found really kind of like the gameplay interesting. Mm -hmm. Like once you figured out the weird loop of that game, um, probably those two. And then maybe like as far as NES era, like the more first traditional like Japanese shoot 'em up that really I got into was when they released Life Force on the NES. Because yeah, I never played course. the arc. I don't remember ever seeing an arcade of Life Force. Not that it didn't exist in the West, but uh, my first exposure was definitely the NES one. And it and it had the Contra code, so mm -hmm. you could like it had you know it had a way for you to experience the whole game, right? Because uh, man, trying to beat that game on three lives and three continues would be pretty balls. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny because. Maybe around, well, no, this definitely would have been slightly before that. Um, there was a Chuck E. Cheese that was way out on the east side, at least way out on the east side in my brain. Um, I'm thinking far, yeah. Um, uh, the thing was, 
most of the games at that Chuck E. Cheese were not great, but they actually had an arcade Life Force machine. Nice. And yeah. that was the first time that Konami or any of the shooters of that particular ilk, you know, that was the first time I'd experienced something like that. And that game left such a huge mark. I mean, I can remember... Um, bugging my mom or my grandpa or anyone else that would listen like, Hey, we should go to Chuck E. Cheese this weekend because I was obsessed with that <laughs> game. I mean, the music today I still find absolutely fantastic. Um, it's weird because I've been playing a bunch of these this week to prepare for this episode. And the thing that actually strikes me about life force, like, Number one, there's this whole convoluted history about how, you know, Life Force was known as Salamander in Japan, and it actually had this very different sort of power-up system where you just collected the actual weapons. It didn't have the Gradius-style capsule system that Life Force does. However, the thing about Life Force is that I would argue it's probably a better Gradius game than the first Gradius because you can actually get enough capsules. Like when you die, you don't just blow up and then restart from a checkpoint earlier. Your ship actually flies into the screen immediately after you died. And there's a higher concentration of capsules throughout the game. So unlike Gradius where pretty much if you die once you're fucked. I mean, yeah. That's the real savage yeah. nature of Gradius is like for sure. It's so based in momentum. Um, but Gradius uh, Life Force is just a heck of a lot more playable. It's got this wonderful theme with the whole like kind of inner space type of thing where, right, where you're, you're inside like a, a human body. Inside of an organic, right. Mm-hmm. So those uh, themes work really, really well for it, and that music is just so damn memorable the nes conversion is actually really really solid like either the japanese or the u.s one like you get really decent two-player gameplay out of both and for the nes at the time like that was impressive yeah that was one of the reasons i think that game was pretty popular is that my brother and i could play it at the same time just like contra Mm -hmm. yeah we didn't have to take turns and it was fun yeah Uh, and i had i mean konami at the time was that like the top of their game like mm-hmm. killer music great design great graphics like the most of their nes games were stellar looking mm-hmm. they, you, if it said konami on the game like you kind of if you went to rent it you're like okay this is probably good right <laughs> when you were a kid you're like this is probably a good game you know if you if it said ljn on the box you're like i'm not renting that <laughs> yeah. yep. but konami was, was always a solid choice yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah but I, I guess no, I'm I'm uh, on the same boat as you guys. I mean, Life Force was definitely a big part of my NES uh, playlist. Um, Gradius mm-hmm. was too, but Life Force was definitely in another dimension. It was so. I good. played Life Force first, and then I remember seeing Gradius. I was like, "Oh, it's the same company." And I remember <laughs> we, my brother and I rented it, and it was one a. It was one player. Yeah. Right. B, fucking hard. No thirty. Uh-huh. Like no thirty cheat code. 
and then we were just like no we we i think we might have played a total hour of that weekend rental and we're sad that we wasted <laughs> whatever two bucks it was that time yeah that game would um, definitely be a big old punch in the nuts after playing life force first. yeah it was <laughs> yeah it definitely was and see that's why uh for me shoot shoot 'em ups were not really a thing that i did because it was so frustrating as you mentioned with the momentum if you lose the momentum you lose all your power-ups and you're basically resigned to die unless you somehow make a miracle and get some sort of decent amount of power-ups to make it to the next level that's why yeah that game would absolutely put you in a hole well not not only that game most shoot 'em ups in general that's what most I'm saying. momentum-based shmups I, yeah. if i die at a point it's almost better to just start the whole game over exactly right mm-hmm. it's like not even a one credit clear but a one life clear type of situation sometimes right you got to mm-hmm. be perfect to beat a game and no, that was definitely. too much for me yeah <laughs> So, yeah, um, being now in the middle of the 8-bit era and transitioning into the 16-bit era, um, this is really like the absolute heyday of shooters. Um, And, of course, as the 16-bit consoles made their presence felt, the options for us to play just began to explode. Optimus, I know that you are just this enormous lifelong PC Engine fan. Um, why don't you talk about some of the games that would appear on that system? I know Life Force or Slash Salamander was actually one of them. Yeah, um, they had a killer port of that on there. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of the others that definitely like floated your boat because I know there's some heavy duty favorites uh, in there. Yeah, so we go back to. 89 i didn't actually get a pc engine or turbo graphics 16 right away one of my really good friends did and uh you know he picked it up and it came with uh, keith courage which is not the best game nope but <laughs> he also picked up a hue card of a little game that we'd never heard of and just based on the title he was like well this sounds cool because nobody knew what the turbo graphics was at the time uh it was blazing lasers and oh, holy crap we were addicted to that game that is probably one of the best early turbo graphics shoot 'em ups and uh probably one of the best accessible shoot 'em ups for anybody to start with cuz it's pretty forgiving mm-hmm. um and it was made by compile who uh i'm sure we'll get to talking about here later um and it's just a really fun vertical space shoot 'em up with cool power ups, good boss battles. For the, for the time, the music on the PC Engine actually still sounds really good. But you know, the PC Engine has a kind of a weak little six channel PCM sound card that uh, you know it got better when they added the CD ROM add on. But in the right hands, you could make some pretty killer tunes. That was good. The Star Soldier series from Hudson Soft appeared on the PC Engine Turbo Graphics. Those were fantastic. Um, and I was just playing uh, R-Type. It got it's the closest at the time arcade port of uh, R-Type, mm-hmm. which is more of a momentum based. That's one of those games where if I died on like stage two, I was like, nope, we're starting all over. Uh-huh. <laughs> it also really showed off the system's uh, color palette as well. Yeah, that's a beautiful um, game. 
It is. I remember when I when I beat our type, it was because I had gotten so good at playing through those stages to the point where I could get to the end stage without dying. And mm-hmm. then it was just one of those things. That I, now I couldn't do that. It's funny. I was just I was just firing up my uh, PC Engine Mini uh, before this episode, and my Mega Drive Mini. I went through both of them and just played a bunch of stuff just to refresh my memory. Excellent. But uh, played some R Type, and I was like, "Oh my god, this game is hard." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Parodius series was big. Konami was a huge supporter. Konami and Hudson Soft were huge supporters of PC Engine, so a lot of their stuff was on there. And if there was an NES shoot 'em up, there was probably a slightly graphically better version on the PC Engine, like mm-hmm. Gradius, uh, Life Force, aka Salamander. There was also a port of Gradius 2 Gopher on the PC Engine, which is really nice. That's one of the best games in that series. And that port is like 99% arcade perfect for mm-hmm. the time. Um, and then with the CD add-on, Ooh. you know, we got a lot of cool stuff. Uh, there's a couple shooters by some guys that uh, left Technosoft and started their own company called Red. And uh, they had made Gate of Thunder and Lords of Thunder, Ooh. which are both just really amazing. Lords of Thunder, I didn't know anything about that until there was that promo tape that, that uh, Turbo Technologies was sending out for free back in the day in the video game magazines. And you'd watch yep. this tape and this kid would go around showing people Lords of Thunder and they're like, what is this killer game? Because the uh, Turbo Duo at the time was like, what? I mean, a Turbo Graphics with CD back in 9091 was about $500. <laughs> <laughs> with, wow. If you account for inflation, that's probably close to $1,200 now or something. My right, goodness. right. And when steep. the Turbo Duo dropped, it was two ninety nine. This was in like ninety three, ninety four. That's probably close to a six hundred, seven hundred dollars with inflation, kind of a price tag. Mm-hmm. So equivalent of a PS five or a Series X now, probably, right? This Turbo yeah. Duo. Um, but when I saw that Gates of Thunder video, I was like, or uh, Lords of Thunder, I was like, I really want to play this because you know I was. 15 or 16 and it had heavy metal and a fantasy style shoot 'em up game that just looked really intense and fun it's gonna say yeah, both that, of those games were a pretty meaty slab of butt rock right right just killer <laughs> yeah but there's tons of, the pc engine in japan was really known for shoot 'em ups almost all the pc engine ports also have like a hidden caravan mode or mm-hmm. sometimes they would release a separate caravan uh hue card edition and that's basically just a high score mode. And that was just basically a way to show off, like, here's what I can do in one credit in this special score mode that sometimes would have different uh, level uh, layouts or different power-ups, depending on the game. Um, so, yeah, the the PC Engine was, a if you were into shooters in the late 80s, early 90s, you kind of wanted to have a PC Engine. There was so many good games to pick up on there. See? Discussing that system now, like, I'm elated now that I've got access to play particularly the uh, TurboGrafx core on the Mister because I was not on board that train at the time. I was an early Genesis adopter, and thankfully, though, as a shooter fan, there also was plenty to feast on 
with the Sega Genesis slash Mega oh, Drive. Yeah, that would, that's that's the number two. I mean, right. six, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I purchased Thunder Force Two pretty early on because I think the the first game I bought beyond um, the pack in with Altered Beast was Space Harrier Two. It was all right. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of filled Dude, the need. Space, I know your original Space Harrier is one of my all-time favorites, and I also bought Space Harrier Two on the Genesis, and yeah. it was like methadone. It was like, uh-huh. a, wasn't it like <laughs> a slideshow? Kind of, kind of like a uh, framey, very uh, like mm, it wasn't it was pretty chunky. Bad. It was way better than the like master system port of space harrier one that was like a frame show you were like whoa oh, <laughs> it was also okay. better than uh super thunder blade for mm, sure yeah. yeah yeah i see <laughs> but still yeah. not like not at all the gorgeous you know uh well the the uh mega drive didn't have the hardware scaling chip no. capacity that the super 16 board had Right, that 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 Space Harrier and Afterburner and Super Thunderblade and Galaxy Force Two and those other big Sega arcade games, yeah, did. So mm. playing Thunder Force Two, like, it was funny because I was also a huge Time Pilot fan, and the game actually opens up with like an overhead perspective level, and the execution of those is still a little wonky and I think ultimately Technosoft made the right decision to abandon that completely in favor of the horizontal shooting. Right. So episodes I've, of that that would never, show up. I've never played. I don't know if you ever have the uh, Thunder Force one was like a Japanese PC exclusive port. And the whole game is that top view. I've heard this twitchy eight way shooting. Yeah. Um, it's sad that we've never gotten that in a compilation, even in the Thunder Force like compilations that have been released over the years. We've never. I understand that it, but it would be just neat to experience it, just to see. Okay, I played Thunder Force one. Now I see because with two, right? They had those overhead levels, and then every other level was a side-scrolling mm-hmm. level, right? Yep. But that really just set the stage for the arrival of Thunder Force three, which. Yeah. I see here's the thing like it's so ironic that I didn't pick up on the PC engine and those import games at the time um well dude the American division I'm sorry they did not do a good job of selling that machine no they absolutely dude. didn't I mean they 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 f that up royally and it bums me out now though because I can only imagine how much fun I would have had in the day playing a lot of those shoot 'em ups like blazing lasers let alone all the import goodness that wound up coming out for that right if it wasn't for the magazines like egm and stuff reporting on that stuff i would have never known about it either so right yeah <laughs> yeah that that was the only way i actually knew about shooters in that in that day and age to be honest because back then i was more into fighting games and sports games so but i would read game fan and they would always show like the latest and greatest shoot 'em ups that were on the mm-hmm. uh, Genesis Mega Drive, and like you guys were mentioning, Thunder Force is always a a, nor- uh, a regular on their sections for that genre. 
Um, no, EGM was really cagey as far as covering that kind of thing way back when in a way that none of the other video game magazines picked up on initially. So hmm. I was absolutely hooked on those updates. And, you know, especially any time, like they would always have these little capsules right by the reviews that would talk about like what those guys were playing. And many times they were playing stuff either like pre-release or imports. And I remember one of those reviewers, think a guy by the name of Martin Alessi, who actually may have just, I think he just passed away. Yeah, he away. passed away pretty recently. He was oh, a shoot-em-up yeah. junkie. Yeah, he was a huge shoot-em-up junkie. And he was talking about TF3 like ahead of time. And so I imported Thunder Force 3. And man, that was pretty much all i did for weeks on Dude, end and that that game <laughs> so i remember uh when that game i didn't play the import but when the western copy came out i think my buddy jason got it right away mm-hmm. and the first stage you play and you're like yeah yeah God, the music's cool and it's okay and the first boss is pretty cool but when you hit stage two with that fire effect and then you hear that mm-hmm. music and it goes yep that's it instant boner you're that's it you can't put the game down Uh (laughs) yeah i mean i had never seen that sort of tile warping effect before and like the the gulf between what technosoft was doing as far as music except for what yuzo kashiro was already doing with like revenge of shinobi or what um Sega was doing with their Port of Ghouls and Ghosts. Like and those Technosoft guys were compile. so yes. We'll get into I mean, you know, the yeah, next I thing we're, we're gonna, gonna talk about here. is we yeah. have to talk about Musha. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, like the things Technosoft was doing with that sound hardware compared to most other developers on the system, like, you know, we all know Sega Genesis got this terrible rap for having bad sounds compared to the Super NES. Yeah, and it wasn't that it wasn't the it was, hardware. It wasn't that it was bad hardware. It's just that most developers didn't know how to use that specific sort of hardware with the FM synthesis. Yeah, and um, actually, I think I think it's on that high score documentary. They talk a little bit about this, where there was this generic sound uh, library that. Sega distributed that Sega made and a lot of developers would just use that instead of hard coding for that Yamaha sound chip but you can tell the games that really use that Yamaha sound chip because they sound fucking amazing man mm-hmm. like all the treasure games you know uh all the compile games all the technosoft games you know uh the Sonic team games you can tell Streets all the of games rage you, yeah yeah any uh, you can hear it. You're like, whoa, that sounds great. And then there's, you know, just your All, run of the mill. <laughs> Especially like so much of the licensed games that wound up yeah, coming out go. on both Genesis and Super NES. They were just, you know, they clung Quick to buck. that library and they didn't <laughs> yeah. really attempt to work it out. And it was just not great. So, it, you know, unfortunately, those games gave the system a really bad rep for that kind of thing. I think that's um, another reason why I didn't really get into shoot 'em ups in that era too, because all I had was a Super Nintendo. I didn't have a Genesis until much oh, later. Oh, we'll get to that. There's some there's some but good shmups in the Super NES, but it's few and far between compared yeah, to right. Yeah. So uh, arguably 
I mean, picking the best shooter on Mega Drive slash Genesis is really difficult. That's like wanting to cut off a limb or something. It is. You know, especially if you're talking about, like, you know, a, an all-out brawl between, I think for most people, that would probably come down to something like Thunder Force 4 versus Musha. Um, but Musha at only four megabits. That's my, is... I mean, it's really hard to pick, but that's my favorite Mega Drive. Mm-hmm. Shoot 'em up. Right. For sure. That game blew my fucking mind when I played it. Right. I mean, they're all like more line scrolls than you can shake a stick at. The, the little scaling bits. Fuck. The animation of the sprites. And it's and... An, that's another one where the first stage is kind of ho hum. You're like, all right, yeah, that was pretty cool. Like the music's cool. Like they really got that cool guitar track going. Right. And then you get to stage two, and it's the same thing like Thunder Force 3. All of a sudden, stage two, you're flying over that tiled area, and then the floor drops, and there's this giant ravine of line scrolls with a lava like river below you, and all these crazy mecha bug things flying up from the bottom of the screen you're just like what the fuck just happened holy mm-hmm. shit this game's awesome right <laughs> i, I kind of want to play this game now i've never played oh, wait, it's show. on the it's on the switch if you have the uh the premium you got whatever. the extended nso subscription yeah oh cool I'm gonna, to I'm gonna sign up for that this month so yeah i'll yeah. definitely try that out play it. yeah play it love it now that you write guys it. write it <laughs> <laughs> now that you guys talk about it um yeah i'll definitely check it out because it's also it's also one of those games that it's not brutally fucking hard right it's got a it's got a little bit of an easier learning curve the first couple stages aren't too bad by stage four you're going to want to punch your nuts out if you haven't gotten pretty good at the game but the first stage or two will kind of hold your hand a little bit yeah Um, that's what i want a fucking chance (laughs) the music is amazing yeah that when i first I grabbed that because um, mm-hmm. I got my Genesis. I actually had my had my NES, and then I got a Super NES from a friend who was moving, and he was just getting rid of some stuff, and he sold it to me dirt cheap. And I got the Super NES, and then later I got a, a Mega Drive or a Genesis. This would have been like ninety one, ninety. It was right after the Super NES came out. So uh, I went to Bookman's. And would start picking up games. And I remember going in and they had a boxed copy of Musha, which was at that time rare. Now it's fucking insanely rare, right? Stupid. Wow. And the cover now. art had that cool insect looking mecha. And mm-hmm. I'm 15. I've just gotten really into like comic books and anime and stuff. And I see this box. I'm like, oh, I got to buy that game. That game looks fucking awesome. I don't even like, I was just like, I'll take it. Right. And I remember booting up the game at home and you're treated to like almost like an anime cut scene and then it boots up and you hear the the mecca's eyes light up when it starts playing the music i was like this is the greatest game i've ever played (laughs) i would have loved that if i saw it when i was a kid because i was all into that anime inspired uh any type of game that had anime characters and just oh yeah you're you're in for treat if you fire that up but it's in in my opinion that game holds up i would say like on the mega drive thunder force 3 yeah is still really good but if there's a couple clunkiness thunder force 4 is a classic 
I'm sure we're going to talk about that here in a second. It's also it's also balls hard compared to right. the first three. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, but but Musha really holds up. And uh, I was also just playing Elemental Master, which is another Technosoft game. Mm-hmm. That that vertical sounds familiar. Fantasy. Yeah, it's a vertical like fantasy sort of think gauntlet, but a shoot 'em up. Or like if you played Gawange, which was a cave. Is that cave? Mm-hmm. Cave game that was ported on the 360. It's kind of like that where instead you're of running a along the ground, shoot them up. Yeah, you're like this this uh, fantasy wizard guy, and you can shoot electric bolts or fireballs. But it's Technosoft that has really killer music and cool bosses. Um, really fun. Yeah, that does. Sound There's cool. tons of really great Mega Drive shoot 'em ups. Guy, I loved. I also picked up Gaieras later, and I loved the shit out. Even though that game was fucking balls hard, <laughs> that was like our type. Because when you die, you're like, "Fuck." You guys want to know a special true story about Musha? Yes, special Musha, true story time. Yeah, Musha was the first game that I ever purchased from the software etc. at Elcon Mall, sold to me by. Mr. Ruminations himself, our good friend, Mitch. Wow. And his name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, awesome. I, you know, I think there's always a thing when a game stands out to you so much that you can actually really remember the trip when you went to buy it. Yeah, you I know, still remember I mean, that trip to Bookman's, <laughs> and it was just kind of it was happenstance. That's funny. Yep. You know what? Mitch sold you that. You know who sold me that copy of Musha? Who? Neil. Wow. <laughs> I think he had just started working there. Wow. Wow. Did he mark um, it down, or was it before Markdown? No, it was before he before <laughs> I became the uh, regular game junkie. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. That, that it's interesting for me, like. With Musha, um, I don't know if we're going to get into the Sega CD, but when we finally got the quote-unquote sequel, because Compile didn't do like true sequels, they were kind of sequel-inspired. But when yep. we finally got, you know, Robo Aleste, uh, which very much looked like a sequel to Musha, I was really let down for a number of reasons. A, it mm-hmm. was on the Sega CD, which had that extra bit of hardware capacity, right? Right. It, but it did not, it actually looked technically inferior to Musha. It had maybe mm-hmm. some more stuff moving on screen, but there were no line scrolls. Like there was, it just didn't have the magic of Musha at all. No, it was ironic because like I actually really liked that soundtrack especially because specifically at that time, like I began to drift into like, you know, techno and dance music and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. that soundtrack definitely had more of that kind of flavor to it specifically, but the gameplay just didn't feel anywhere near no, it was pretty weak. The gameplay and the level design just were nowhere near as tight or like, really leveraging the hardware to the nth degree the way Musha Leste did. So. Yeah, I would I would say that the closest to a true game that feels like a sequel to Musha, if you wanted to play something like that, would be mm-hmm. Spriggan on the PC Engine CD, yep. or if you have the PC Engine Mini or a Mr. Um, 
that game feels like a true sequel to Musha. Spriggan, the first one. Now, Spriggan number two, let's not talk about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a totally different kind of shooter. It's very strange how they would do that. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, Uh, Compile was very unpredictable when it came to follow-ups. I actually have a PC Engine Mini, so maybe I should try that. Because Spriggan is awesome, dude. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll fire it Very up. Worthwhile. So. There's so that's actually a ton of good shoot 'em ups on there. Yeah, yeah it was a shoot up machine, basically. I have the I the have mini. the PC Engine Core Graphics Mini, which was it's the European version, but I bought that one because it had the best of what was on the US version and what was on the Japanese white version. <laughs> mm-hmm. hmm. No, definitely worthwhile. And Going back to you briefly mentioned the Super NES, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. there's some great shoot 'em ups on that machine. They're few and far between, but yeah, let's talk about those. There's some killer SNES well, shoot 'em ups. The thing is, like, Compile being these, like, they were absolutely obsessed for the most part, Robo Leste aside, with really trying to, you know, get the most they could out of every piece of hardware. And so. Early on with the Super NES, um, there were a lot of people that were sort of concerned about just how powerful the system actually was because the first wave of games for it just exhibited a ton of slowdown. It's massive, dude. Like Gradius 3. Gradius 3. Super really, really. Third. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the you know, it was definitely like a thing. It's like, well shit this is supposed to be their 16 or answer and super r type the super NES tweaked yeah. port of r type 2 slow yes. yeah down, i played a little yeah. bit of that awesome soundtrack but yeah it was so hard to play i gave up after yeah. a couple hours yeah but the uh, first one that really showed some promise and this was from compile um it was super Aleste, aka space megaforce here in the u.s that game rules i it, love that game yeah it mm. feels it feels a lot like Blazing Lasers in some respect. Mm-hmm. It's got a it's very like a similar mix. power-up system. It's a mix of Blazing Lasers and the old uh, Aleste games from the Master System. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also got kind of an atypical soundtrack. Like, not everybody loves this that soundtrack. Weird, like, jazz, techno, funk fusion. I love it's it. Jazzy, I it's jazzy, it's it. but I dig the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, I I, that's it, one I of the games that um, EGM covered. The I didn't know about it. I didn't know about the import, but they covered the U.S. release. Space Megaforce. They're like, this is the U.S. version of Super List Day. You got to go get this. I literally put the magazine down, rode my bike up to the mall, <laughs> and bought a copy. Nice. So yeah. that was actually it, a game. Go ahead, Ed. I was just going to ask real quick. Isn't there a way to play Aleste games nowadays in current systems? Isn't there a collection? The, well, there's an Aleste collection on the Switch, but it's only the uh, the game. It's the Game Gear Aleste games, isn't it, or something? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's Game Gear okay. Aleste 1 and 2, but there's also there's an a, original a Aleste right. 3 that they made just for that compilation. And I understand those are still good games. Yeah, they're just like yeah. 8. Very eight bit looking, but I want to try this space megaforce. I want to play that. It, I've never heard of it. <laughs> I want to yeah. try it out. Yeah, no, it's worthwhile. Uh, the original Super Leste was actually a game that I purchased at the Die Hard Game Store in Tarzana. Yeah, um, 
and wow oh well That's i was just I, the, the thing was like at the time like we were really in doubt as to whether the super nes or F- super famicom was ever going to be home to games like that you know but in that same year we also got konami's port of parodius which was vastly improved over Gradius 3. It was actually really quite playable. It juggled a lot of sprites on screen at the time. So clearly, like, Konami had definitely figured some things out, and so it compiled. So pretty much there's an entire string of Parodius ports for the Super Famicom that are, like, uniformly excellent. Wasn't there also uh, UN Squadron from Capcom? Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's great also a great game. It's got a yeah. lot of slowdown though. Yeah. Okay, because I only played um, the arcade, but I heard that mm-hmm. it was actually out on Super Nintendo. I know you like that one better, I actually, right? I actually prefer the Super NES version over really? the arcade because the the structure it's based on the manga Area eighty eight. Uh, the that's the Japanese coin ops name and. Uh, the story in the uh, home version more closely matches the manga where you play as, you know, one of the pilots and you have to get your plane and you have to earn your money and you have to buy your way out or buy all your stuff to earn your way out. Whereas in the arcade, you know, you picked, you picked Shin, Greg or Mickey and you just got one of the three planes and you never had to like deal with the upgrade system. But in the, in the manga slash anime, you know, you get there as a mercenary pilot and you have to like buy your own weapons, your own plane, your own parts. So this, the home version is closer to the actual story of the manga mm-hmm. slash oh, anime nice. than the arcade. Um, hmm. There was also, um, what was, there's also, this SNES was, was exclusive home to R-Type 3 Lightning Returns, which is a killer game. That's a, mm-hmm. that game, I remember that game also EGM, EGM or Die Hard did a review that made me go buy that. Like, I think Die Hard did the big spread on that one. Yeah, and I ended up I buying that. Correctly. And then there was what's the other really cool Konami shooting? Up? There's a little bit oh, of slowdown. Axley, Axley, Axley. Yeah, that Mode Seven effect. I remember seeing that going. Whoa, mm-hmm. that was killer. I mean, Konami was on fire on the Super Nintendo. I mean, hell, Konami was on fire all the way up through PlayStation Two era. <laughs> Something yeah. happened with them recently, but uh, yeah, they're 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 eight sixteen bit PlayStation One and PlayStation Two era Xbox One era stuff was all like really solid. But yeah, uh, yeah Axley was, was amazing. So as we get into the 32-bit era, oh. you know, you've got really good ports of arcade games, but in the background, that genre is definitely beginning to shrink because there are fewer shoot-'em-ups coming out, um, and it just, you know, it wasn't having nearly the same kind of favor in the home console market the way that role playing games, survival horror. Yeah, well, I was I was about to say I think what part of that happened is we started to get because they had more powerful hardware and because it allowed the developers to get a little bit more creative. We were seeing new genres of games come about that were like mixtures of things like survival horror is kind of like the old text-based game mixed with a little bit of a shooting game mixed with a little bit of a you know puzzle game all in Mm -hmm. one um 
so yeah, I think that's part of it. And then I think also maybe a little stagnant from a lot of shoot 'em ups. Yeah, I mean there were so many. There, there gotten just an absolute saturation point at the time, and not nearly as many of them were really beginning to stand out anymore. Um, of course, uh, I couldn't get through a shoot 'em up special without talking about radiant silver gun i was gonna say if there's one (laughs) two-bit shooter to cover out of i was gonna say there's that and there's one other one that i'd really want to talk about maybe no two three Mm -hmm. there's three total that i I could go off on yeah yes radiant silver gun would be the the top tier like blew my friggin mind yeah two-bit shmup even i I played it (laughs) treasure was just like if there was ever a company that was going to be able to fully exploit the Saturn hardware in terms of both 2D and 3D, you know, it's sort of convoluted hardware setup by design, it was going to be Treasure. And that game, uh, still available, you know, you can play it today on Xbox. Um, yeah, I was just worth every penny. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, that it was cool to use that little sword thing where you could swipe the bullets. That was really unique. Mm-hmm. Yep. I really like that game. I wish I could play it yeah, again, but you, I only have a Switch. <laughs> I don't have an Xbox. Then you'd get the, the big radiant sword that would just clear the screen. Yeah. And <laughs> it's yeah. The double slash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely Fantastic a soundtrack also. Yeah. Um, and good anime cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Definitely no, a classic. It's absolutely worthwhile. What other 32-bit games were you going to mention, Optimus? I got. I just thought of another one. So I got a couple yeah. that that I really thought were cool or pushed the genre in ways in the 32-bit era that maybe we hadn't like been able to explore. I'm going to start like kind of a bottom tier one, but one that I remember when it came out, Sebastian and I fell in love with this game and played it a lot, and that was Ein Honda. Ein Honda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was really cool. Oh, actually, no, five. I got another one. So Ein was really cool on the PlayStation. You know, it was a Squaresoft release. I don't know if they developed it, but, uh, you know, it was a 2D, 2D playing field, but with 3D graphics, they would do some cool camera moves. It had great music. It was pretty tough. And, you know, Sebastian likes really hard games. So <laughs> I'm not surprised that you would mention it because Ein in particular really has that sort of retro futurist vibe. Yeah, it was you cool. were all up into because it was so Blade Runnery. Yeah, especially with uh, that so opening we'll, we'll alternate between PlayStation and Saturn. So if we go back to the Saturn, one of mm-hmm. the uh, other really killer shoot 'em ups that we got a really legit port of was Darius Skyden. Mm. That was an amazing. I mean, when I saw that game and the amount of like stuff on screen, this I mean, that was one of the first times I I saw a shoot 'em up like at home that was like this is arcade level tech mm-hmm. here. This isn't absolutely. Like, this wasn't like Darius on uh, the Super Nintendo or Genesis or PC Engine or any of those, like, downsized conversions. Like, this was the arcade machine at home with killer graphics. And I was like, holy crap. No, I mean, it's an absolute feast visually. There's enormous sprites. You've got really elaborate bosses that are also composed of polygon elements as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and those guys, I mean, they did a good job. I think that ran on taito's uh arcade hardware which is kind of similar to the saturn they also this is the same hardware that they did uh layer the section, f3 layer section or galactic attack which was also ported to saturn 
mm-hmm. which is now recently available on uh, Switch, PS4, and Xbox. Uh, whoop! If you're looking to grab that, um, the other ones I was thinking of that were killer were Thunder Force Five mm-hmm. on the Saturn. Yes, uh, that was an import only. We never got a U.S. release. We got a U.S. release for the PlayStation Two, right? Mm-hmm. There was a an American uh, working designs brought that over, but the Saturn one was the one you wanted. Yep, that was that was an amazing game. It was like what half of the original Technosoft team was still there. Yeah, uh, maybe not as good as three or four, but it was still really fun. Had some cool boss battles. Great, great music as well. I was going to say the soundtrack was killer. Yep. And then the one probably that I wish I could play right now that's not available on any sort of port. I actually think you'd either have to download a ROM or own the disc. And that would be our type Delta that was on the PlayStation. Yes. Oh, that yeah, game was yeah, yeah. That's probably the best R type game to date still. Yes. Nothing's beaten that. It might be the the best realization of that idea, and it's all the more impressive because, like, R Type One and Two and Three all had really beautiful two D sprite work, and yet those guys at IRM were so friggin' talented, they managed to turn that into a two and a half D game that was still absolutely as impressive as the ones that came before perhaps more so Um, yeah and i feel like that one they really um the flow of the game was really good i never mm -hmm. felt like you got that punished the bosses were unique it just all the design elements kind of lined up i Mm -hmm. um our type final was okay but not as good as delta and final two I have not played, but I've watched a lot of reviews, and it doesn't seem like they have that same magic anymore. That's <laughs> so, the most recent one, right? The one that yeah, just came final out two, yeah, uh, two years ago or one year ago, and it was crowdfunded. Yeah. Uh, I, see. I understand it's better after some DLC and some patches, but I haven't I haven't stopped to go back to that. I think um, if you if you folks out there don't um watch shmup junkie on youtube you absolutely should or electric underground yep That's, those both of those channels if guys. you're into the genre both of those channels are absolutely worth following and checking out but uh oh, speaking of our type speaking of our type mm-hmm. i have our type dimensions on my switch and that one i believe you can switch from yeah the i original. have that yeah, yeah, you can play the original. That's a full arcade, full arcade port of one and two, and then it's yeah. got the upgraded graphic option. Yeah, I have that on the 360. Yeah. There's also, um, I was gonna say on the Switch they have three, two or three Darius collections. I think the second one has Darius Gaiden on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is kind of neat. No, I need to. There's pick actually that a, I would, I would love to play Darius Gaiden again. Yeah, there's a ton of great shoot em up collections on switch i picked up the strikers collection it was on sale <laughs> it was on the digital store and i was like oh i'm grabbing that and my kids are like what are you playing down because <laughs> it's their switch that i steal and play on there <laughs> and you're just playing this old stone age no it's, and they're probably it's just like, funny though because i also bought the sega ages ports of thunder force ac and thunder force 4 and i caught my yeah. son playing thunder force 4 he was like this game's hard <laughs> wow. so I, I i'm i'm wondering now that i mean 
I'm sure your kids refer to this as well, but when I get asked, uh, what do I play uh, for video games at my work from uh, elementary school kids? And I tell them and they say, oh, that's a daddy game. Because oh, wow. <laughs> I have not heard old. any of my games been called that yet. Well, and see, with game. my kids, the first games they sort of played when they got kind of to the age that they could, they were interested in playing games outside of maybe something on the iPad. The yeah. first thing I let them play was my Super NES Mini. So they mm. went straight to like classic era. And now it's funny because they're huge Nintendo fans. Like that's why they saved up and bought their own Switch. And they both love Mario Kart and, you know, um, you know, Mario Odyssey and stuff like that. But then they also really got into Minecraft and Minecraft Dungeons and Stardew Valley and all these like resource yeah. games. So but, but uh, they haven't quite gotten into shoot 'em ups yet, but I think the the uh, bug might be I, there. I, I think most shoot 'em ups would be daddy games because the young kids, <laughs> they'd be like, yeah, I, I like the old Mario games and stuff, but shoot 'em ups. No, that's that's daddy's game. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously now, you know, we're smack dab in the middle of the present era. And weirdly enough, there seems to be this sort of excellent renaissance behind the genre. Yes, thank you. Especially when you consider all the ports coming out from M2. And other Um, companies, yeah. Yeah. Um, Optimus, do you want to talk a little bit about Bottle Gadaga? You mean the greatest shoot-em-up of all time? (laughs) Arguably. (laughs) Wow, you're taking it there, huh? (laughs) Well, so... I had seen that pop up on the Xbox digital store, like, four or five years ago and i was like oh old shoot em up and i'd never played it or heard of it but it was i saw it was m2 and i put it in my wish list because it was like retail 34.99 or 39.99 because eventually everything goes on sale at some point digitally Mm -hmm. so i put on my wish list and kind of forgot about it and um always digging shmups and stuff i was surfing youtube and uh there was a video of like the 10 greatest shmups of all time and battle garega was number one on this list and i was Mm -hmm. like oh that's that game i have in my xbox store and i'm watching the video and the guy talks about the other nine he talks about battle garega for like 45 fucking minutes (laughs) so i go to my xbox and i freaking just pop the cherry right there and i download it and i start playing it and uh I also did not know that that company that originally developed it, Rising, was formerly ex-Compile people. And after mm-hmm. I played Battle Garega, a lot of that, I was like, oh, yeah, this feels a lot like a Compile game and maybe a Cave game had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Compile um, and Cave got together to make, like, a more savage 1940s game. Yes. And that mm-hmm. the thing is that that game's kind of ruined me as far as, like, when I want to play a World War II retro future kind of shmup, Battle Garega takes top. Like it, even even as good as developed by the same developers, maybe not all the same team. But 1944, the Loop Master was also developed by Rising. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love good, that game. Not, it's that good, but it's not time. Battle Garega good. No, no, it's good. Loop Master's good, good, but Battle Battle Garega is like if there was like a S tier or God tier for me, Battle Garega is there. Like it's wow. that high in yeah. my shoot 'em up, in my shoot 'em up uh, legacy. I would say Battle Garega and Musha 
Thunder Force 4, it's, it's in that tier for me of something that I will probably continue to play for the rest of my life because it's like an evolution of the bullet hell shooter mechanic where you almost can kind of, I don't want to say like an open, the one guy he described, I think it was electric underground. He described it as like an open world shoot him up. I can sort of see what he means. You're not kind of locked into a certain weapon or pattern, but if you want to do really good at the game, there are certain things you got to focus on. Like, the score multiplies by how you grab the gold medals and the more and you get in a sequence the higher the score gets the more rewards you get the more bombs you get that lets you play further you know it's like this kind of a an addiction like you're mm-hmm. ch- I'm, i was chasing the score and once i broke five million on a credit run i think i hit six million and man trying to be trying to get to six million is pretty nuts uh, I've broken the top 100 on the Xbox ranking for it. Yeah, uh, I heard you talk about that uh, on the Adult Gamer, your other podcast. Yeah. And I yeah. always, uh, yeah, I'm, that's what got me interested in playing it at my local game center um, in Osaka. Man, if either of you guys come here, there are a couple of arcades that I would love to show you. One has a dedicated floor of retro Just shoot em up games and then the other uh yeah it's an underground i would probably uh, lose it eddie i would probably lose it because there's a bunch of those that i've never ever played that like oh you would uh, love it they'd have they have mazinger z uh z and oh nice all these other ones i've they have the macross one too nice yeah i played that i mean i played it but like there's some like i would I would give my left nut for a Batsujin machine. I think they have it. House. They have that, God, I think. So yeah, much. they have a lot of these shooters that, I mean, the names sound familiar. I Like I said, I'm not a shooter person, but I've heard some of these names before in Batsugun, I think they yeah. have it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Here. And uh, the thing that, that I like about the particular revision of Battle Garrega is the 2016. It's the M2 port. It's on Xbox, PC, and PlayStation stores. Um, it has various modes. You, of course, you can play the freaking balls to the walls arcade mode, no help. But there's a special premium mode that uh, the default. It's pretty friendly as far as like you get an auto bomb. So basically that just keeps you alive as long as you have bombs in stock, mm-hmm. yep. right? And then and then there's a super easy mode, which is like, I didn't even, I don't think I even tried the super easy mode, but I think you can almost like one CC the game the first time you play it in super easy mode. If you just want to see all the stages, but um, those M2 shot trigger ports are amazing. I also picked up uh, Dangun Fever Run, which is another cave one. Those are the only two available on Xbox, which makes me sad because I know they've been releasing a few more. Um, and they're mostly import only on PS4 and Switch. Like you've been playing uh, Kitsui, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'd love to play that. But uh, right now I still only have the uh, Series X, so I don't have access to a way to play that. I guess I could import it for switch and play it on my kids switch but you could yeah (laughs) um no i've been in this sort of rediscovery mode as of late because i used to play the crap out of sky shark in arcades when i was a kid yeah me too and it was one of those games that like 
the NES port was, eh. was pretty weak sauce. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was. Not, I I loved Sky Shark, and when I played the NES version, I just I rented it, and I was like returning it eh. the next the, the same day. I think. <laughs> it was yeah, and I mean that was like I would ar- actually argue that that game being such a poor conversion is also another sort of nail in my oh my god jjj is the saltiest motherfucker alive when it comes to arcade ports no but no this was justifiably (laughs) bad not even close to a decent but i i picked up the um m2 made till plan arcade garage version of flying shark which also yeah i want to get that God with the it. sequel fire show yeah yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. yeah and holy shit like i am on the biggest friggin toaplan tear right now because that's awesome yeah. i was just playing uh <laughs> v5 or aka grindstormer mm-hmm. nice. another toaplan yeah 16 16 bit era shmup right did you uh, hack your Mega Drive Mini? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so did you throw um, Fire Shark on there? I did not, and now okay. I, I'm gonna have to hook. There's a couple others that I might have to grab and put on there. Uh, yeah. But I did, I did, of course, put. I mean, the Almighty, the greatest, Musha. classic game room shout out, Truxton, on my <laughs> Mega Drive Mini. Wow. Tatsu Tatsujin. Hmm. It's a classic Topon. That's like the like proto bullet hell game of all bullet hell proto games. Yeah. No, Very and nice. that's the thing. Like Toaplan just has a disgustingly rich treasure trove of games, most of which did not get a port. Right. They're mostly arcade only. But there's a bunch coming on that Astro City. Mini uh, V, Mini Five, yeah, that, that new one. That's what I reserved, and I'm getting it next month, and I'm very excited Dude, to play it. If I see like a really tall, veiny-looking pole shadow, <laughs> then I know you've, <laughs> then I know you've got it. In. <laughs> yeah. You mean my joystick? Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> my oh, special man. joystick. <laughs> but yeah, man. I mean. Uh, you know, the, there's been a Toaplan core that's been worked on a lot as of lately and is making progress on the Mister. So I just finally got to play out zone for the first time. A couple that game looks ago. so cool. That game and looks so cool. That, that's well, going to be on the mini V as well. Yeah. 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 It's yep. fantastic. I mean, it's like, I love running guns and I know Eddie, you and I have talked before about all the twisty tick stick games from oh SK. my god yes yes Party warriors time, time soldiers Road. time soldiers time soldiers the thing is outzone plays a lot like a really ferocious sequel to time soldiers except it's got power-ups and weapons that work to compensate for the lack of a twisty stick yeah but the ground hazards and the way that you have to keep grabbing energy to continue living it's also got one hit, one hit deaths. Yeah, it's an intense beast, and it's just masterfully paced in terms of like getting through the levels. It really rewards fucking aggressive gameplay. Nice. So I look uh, forward to playing yeah. that then. But you know what it doesn't That's have? Like, uh, you what? know what it doesn't have? 
the death scream from happen? Time Soldiers. How long is that death scream? <laughs> it's like five minutes. It takes minutes to happen. Man. <laughs> now, um, isn't the team speaking of aggressive game plan? It's another shmup I've been playing a lot lately, and it's on the recent uh, Capcom arcade um, stadium 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 yeah. that's on ps4 switch xbox and i think steam also but um that has the uh capcom vertical shmup giga wing which was developed by a team that was mostly x toaplan people mm-hmm. and that is another game where like if you've been playing like you can't have two more opposite games than battle garega and giga wing like battle garega is all about zoning kind of hanging back a little bit picking your the battles. attacks come too yeah. fast yeah Giga you cannot Wing, like casual your way around incoming fire no like, Giga you're Wing, on your right line or you're not right giga wing is all about super aggressive because you've got that bullet absorbing shield so if you can stay alive for because it recharges in five seconds but it's the longest five seconds ever when you're when the screen's full of bullets <laughs> but <laughs> if you can live that long and recharge your shield it rewards you for being super aggressive so the first couple of times i was playing gigaming i was getting mauled until i watched a video where a guy talked about that and i was like oh and then all of a sudden i got the hang of it and uh that's quickly recently become one of my most played shmups um that's on that capcom collection besides nice. 1944 loop master and pro gear by cave oh, that game is fucking hard <laughs> it's what? beautiful that game and it's is worth so a trip but it's so hard brutal. Yeah, dude, I was like, mm, I don't know if I'm ever going to like even attempt to do any sort of one CC with this. Even just playing through it and hitting continue is like getting kicked in the nuts. You're like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. what just happened to me? Well, and it, it's funny how like the games that seem to stick in this genre, you know, that really lodge themselves in your soul. It's really about just getting to that moment where something unlocks and you get a little bit further yeah for and sure. you just that little there's a level of satisfaction that frankly i don't know that i get that from any other genre i don't it's know true. That I do. yeah like, i think just, maybe and that may be sort of the appeal of the dark souls games kind of have a similar sort of uh high when you get through an area or a boss mm-hmm. right because it's super hard yeah. and that's the the shmups though you die dark souls and shmups are probably like cousins right mm-hmm. <laughs> i would say that's a really good point yeah yeah the pain is all too familiar <laughs> too too familiar god it hurts oh god it hurts <laughs> so um uh, this has been one of the better conversations that I think I've ever had, frankly. Um, oh, and and really, I'm sure we could go on for another couple hours. We, we but... really could easily, yeah. but we're getting to that time. And of course, like any episode of Oh God, It Hurts, we've got to broach a big question at the end. So if you wanted to turn someone on to the shmup genre in 2022, what game would you have people try and why? Eddie, oh, um, kick us off. Well, I would, if you want classics, I would just go with Life Force because 
I had a lot of great memories from that game. It doesn't matter if you play the arcade version or the NES version. That to yeah. me is like the true definition of a shoot 'em up. Like, if you told me to think of the genre, that would be the first game that pops up. I would recommend that nice. highly to start with. But if you mm -hmm. want a modern game, it's the game that I've been playing for a couple, well, a month now. Pocket and Rocky Reshrined. That's mm. considered a shoot 'em up, right? It's not like the yeah, same. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an adjacent, like, first-layer cousin as a running gun. Yeah. But, I mean, the mechanics are very much Mup-oriented, yeah. for sure. And, and I love that game. game to boot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a remake of a Super Nintendo shoot-em-up, and it has a really nice story, beautiful graphics, nice music, and just overall fun. And there is... I'm going to get that when it hits the U.S., yeah store because i i love the super nest version i had that back in the day it comes mm -hmm. out in three weeks i think from now from this recording so by the time people I'll listen to put this it on my list yeah <laughs> but it has that, that's really good stuff yeah it has a difficulty setting for even very easy so should be accessible to everyone that's my that's a great pick yeah i love it Thank all you. right Optimus, what you got man what would you recommend to turn someone on to the genre? Ooh, hey. Um, hey. <laughs> hey, baby. You want to play some shmups? You want to play some shmups? You want to go out? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This is so hard. I'm really, t I'm really tempted to just say pick up the M2 Shot Triggers port of Battle Garega. Uh, actually, I think any of the M2 Shot Triggers ports would probably be a great place to start because they have those accessibility options so you can kind of learn the game and understand why it's mm -hmm. so good outside of that i want to say like still like just a really creative visually impressive amazing music it's a little hard but you can get it almost on all systems uh ikaruga from treasure mm. it's so simple to learn but hard to master and yep. uh it has great music and great graphics i, I would probably say like because of that i highly lean towards ikaruga but nice. i also really think any of the m2 shot triggers ports um would be really fun depending on what you like and there's so many i mean like if you like you know uh steampunk retro style world war ii shoot em up go with battle garega if you want something a little bonkers and bananas like disco theme space shoot em up then dang gun fever on <laughs> you know yeah um but there's there's a bunch of others M M two shot trigger ports. Uh, I know they have the Tiger Heli, you know, a couple others. Uh, you got the the Same Same Same, and yeah. then they they also did one for. Uh, oh my God, I'm having a brain fart right now. But they've done I a need, bunch. I know I need that Tiger Heli collection. I think that's the next thing that I'm. Probably yeah, the have. only I played the arcade and then I played the NES. So I've never mm -hmm. actually like played any other version. Yeah. Um. No, those are great picks. I mean, M2 is just responsible for so much goodness at the moment. I mean, their dedication to doing the right thing by all of these classic games is just, it's so palpable, you know, no matter what product of theirs you manage to pick up, you know, if it's you know all the all the love invested in the Sega Genesis Mini, um, all those different 
M2 shot triggers ports. I mean, they're just kind of on fire right now. So, you know, I'm down to throw money at pretty and, much whatever I, they put out. I think uh, all three Gradius arcade games are uh, through Hamster's Arcade Archives as well. You can get that on Switch. That's a good and, point. Yeah, PlayStation yep. 2. Uh, PlayStation 4, I think. Yeah. Life Force is also one of those ports. I believe so. Um, and God, I'm I'm completely torn, man, because both of you guys have had fantastic answers. Um, but you know what? Like rediscovering Sky Shark, the original, the arcade one, has been right. such a ridiculous joy. Like, I think I'm gonna stick up for that one just because I'd imagine there's a lot of people that maybe have not played this kind of game before. And that one as just like this fundamental pristine version of like what made the genre exciting to begin with. Oh, that I was, game's amazing. Yeah. And, and it I doesn't agree. take that much time to get like significantly better at it. I mean, the first day I fired it up, I was getting murdered like early on. And I was just mm-hmm. like, what is going on? But you just, you got to spend a little time with it. And I think above all, what the genre really demands of anybody is just try, try, try again. Yeah. Like persistence. Persistence is key. Fall down seven, get up eight. Precisely. Um, Last but not least, if you had a dark horse favorite to recommend, Something weird and obscure, maybe to somebody who already likes shooters but hasn't played that many. What would you recommend, Optimus? Oh man, uh, I mean, it's not super obscure with shooter fans, but maybe with non shooter fans, if they wanted to play something batshit crazy, Star Parodius on the PC Engine. Mm. Which was the like parodious Superstar Soldier parody? That or, Hudson. yeah, that or the recent Death Smiles one and two compilation. Mm, from, I need uh, to get that. Yeah, because those <laughs> just that crazy side-scrolling Halloween lollicon cave madness. Yeah, I'm not so wacky. into the lollicon thing. Yeah, but it's that weird. Game, but this gameplay so cool is solid, otherwise. right? Yeah. It's yeah. so weird. It just it makes me feel a little weird about talking about it. Yes, it's like eh, most of my game collection doesn't look like this. All right, it's yeah, be cool. <laughs> you should just have like a little section of your collection that's all decorated, all lolly, and say like, "Yeah, that's yeah. that's, that's nah. my Death Smiles corner." Yeah, nah. I love you. No, no cafes for me. Thanks. <laughs> not my bag. Yeah, Eddie, what would you recommend on the obscure tip? Okay, um, this one I actually came across uh, from Taito because uh, mm-hmm. in Japan they have stuff from Taito for Amazon Prime Day. So mm-hmm. I, well, two years ago or three years ago, I uh, pre-ordered Space Invaders Invincible Collection and mm-hmm. it came with DLC so you can download Space Invaders 90 onto your Switch. Mm. And okay. this game is super fun <laughs> because nice. it's it's kind of like a it's very it's very charming because it's obviously Space Invaders, but it's uh, an old Mega Drive game, and it's right. uh, definitely unique because instead of like one hit and you die, you have mm-hmm. a shield bar 
So you can take up to five mm -hmm. hits. Nice. However, you die, you game over, you only have three continues. So if you clear a stage, uh, new enemies come out and sometimes they shoot differently. So some may shoot diagonally and then I, I haven't gotten too, too far yet, but it does vary from stage to stage. And also you get power ups. So you can well, get like a I multi. As I mentioned at the top, yeah. you know, I'm an old space, space invaders head. So yeah, that's something that I would definitely be inclined to try. I think I had. I think at one point during the Bookman's run, I had a U.S. copy of what was known here as Space Invaders 91. Yeah, because oh, it was yeah. delayed for a year. That's why it's 91 mm -hmm. in the U.S. But definitely yep. try that. It's so fun. Awesome. I highly recommend um, The obscure one that I would recommend, and sadly, this is one that you're going to have to resort to MAME or a Mr. to play. Um, there is a shooter called Demahu. And this was done by Aiding and Aiding and Rising. Um, it's a, originally came out on CPS2 hardware, but essentially you've got gameplay that's spliced very much between Battle Gadaga, and I would say there there definitely feels like there's a little bit of Spriggan going on because it's kind of oh, got yeah. that steampunk thing. Is, was this a Capcom released game? It was a Capcom released game. It was very late in the CPS2's life, you know, just like Mar or Is um, it licensed from some anime or manga, or, an or is this an original? I think all the characters in it are just original. I don't know I'm that just, it Because there's Capcom's supposed to announce a list for Arcade Stadium 2. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you're making me hopeful that this game will show up in there. Well, Pro <laughs> I really hope it up. does. Yeah, Progy yeah. showed up, so I hope. I mean, yeah, it's... It's beautiful. It's very metal slash fantasy. So oh, if you dude, wanted something that almost feels like there. a vertical version of Lords of Thunder, oh. like I think you would really you might see a really, lot of shadow right now. I know. <laughs> just saying, like it's I. It's impossible to not think of you when I'm playing that game because uh, that sounds weird. Yeah, I'm, hey, I'm just being, <laughs> just being straightforward about it. You know. <laughs> You've, you know, I'm just being real about it, man. <laughs> you know? Love is love. So at any rate, um, gentlemen, this has been a fantastic conversation about shooters. Um, and I know that this could easily be like a four-hour episode. Oh, yeah, for relax. sure. Yeah. All good things must come to an end. Um do you guys want to do a little bit of your own uh, social media shouting out here at the end? Optimist, uh, please no, go I first. Mean, uh, uh, yeah. You know, if you're interested in checking out a podcast all about Retro Future, check out my show, Retro Futures Culture Podcast, located on ruminationsradionetwork.com or where you pick up any of your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, any of those. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter at Futurist Retro. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. Hell yeah. Anytime, Yay. my friend. Thanks for stopping Game by. Game Agent ET, yes. where can the people find you? On Instagram and Twitter at Game Agent ET. Thank you, sir. How nice. about you, Six Button Samurai? There's also a Twitter channel for at Oh God It Hurts. Um, that's Oh God IT HC. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Super Barrio Kart. Nice. Um, 
I don't want this episode to end, but alas, it must. Gentlemen, I love you both. It was fantastic to catch up with both of you. And everybody, thank you for jumping in on this very special summer shmup special edition of Oh God, It Hurts. We will see you next time. Oh God, it hurts. Oh God, it hurts. Oh God, it hurts. Oh God, it hurts. Fly, win, strike, and hit.